Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. You know, before we get into session two of Next Steps, today we're going to be talking about some really good stuff, and I'm very excited about it. Um, But before we get into it, the Lord put this scripture on my heart this morning. Um, Really, as we were wrapping up our setup and getting ready to go into the service, um, this verse came up into my heart. And the verse is Ephesians chapter 4, and it is verse 3. I want to read you verses 1 and 2 to provide context, because verse 3 is the continuation of a thought. It starts in mid-sentence. So I want to give you a little context. Paul says here, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Isn't it interesting that Brianne shared this morning at the beginning of service about love believing the best, regardless of the situation? How many of you know that you need love? It's easy to love when everything's easy. It's not easy to love when everything's hard. And so we need, to, we need to set ourselves and determine ahead of time that we're gonna walk in love with one another. So he says, bearing with one another in love. Now watch this. This is verse three. This is where I wanted to, this is what came up in my heart today. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Notice that he uses the word bond, which I remember studying this some time ago in the Greek language. It means something similar to a belt. You know, when you want to hold your pants up from falling down because you're losing so much weight, you, you have to put a belt on to keep them from going, you know, where they shouldn't go, right? The, the, the belt acts as the thing which holds your pants in place, right? Well, according to this scripture, it's the bond or the belt of peace that holds the unity of the body of Christ together. We're actually unified by peace, not by agreement. Amen. That's good. It says the bond of peace, not the bond of agreement. Not the bond of we're always on the same page all the time. We never have a disruption or a reason to conflict. You see, peace, the Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace, and I don't want to preach on this, but the Bible says that Jesus is the prince of peace. And, and the scripture teaches us, we read it in Philippians, that we can have the peace which passes all of our understanding. That when we're connected to Jesus and we're connected in the spirit of love with one another, that peace will actually complete our unity and hold it together like a belt holding pants up from falling down. That's right. That means that you can have a disagreement and still have unity. That's good. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I want that to be shouted from the rooftops because we are in a season of life in our church, not just in our church, in our, in our society, where there is always something to disagree about every hour of the day. 
All you have to do is be a living, breathing human with an iPhone, and you will find something to disagree with somebody about just about every hour on the hour. And we're familiar with pundits and talking heads and political parties and slogans and this one said this and that one said that and all of a sudden people who last year this time were walking together in the bond of peace are now separated over some stupid political jargon and over some kind of nonsense that somebody said on television. Can I be real with you for a moment? It's time to put all of that junk aside and let the bond of peace be preserved because we're walking in love with one another. That's right, amen. That will keep the body of Christ unified. Amen. We, we don't have to agree on everything. Hey, guess what? You have permission to disagree with me. Right. <laughs> I might preach something one day that totally rubs you the wrong way. Guess what? You have permission to disagree. Mm-hmm. Don't take my word for it. Go to the word. Yeah. That's amen. Right. Let's, let, let's let God speak mm-hmm. to us and let's endeavor to keep the unity in the bond of peace. What do you think? Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Okay. All right. That's enough of that. Let's get, in, let's get back into our next steps today. Um, we want to just real quick review for everybody, uh, and I want to say hello to those who are watching online. I understand the, the guys told us that we had a little bit of a challenge getting online this morning, but we're online, and we're, we're cooking, we're cranking, so hello to those who are watching us online. Last week, we talked about the first two steps Mm -hmm. in our next steps class. There are four steps altogether. We covered the first two of them last week, which was number one, to become a partner. Mm -hmm. We explored the ministry of High Country Christian Church. We talked in depth about who we are, what our vision is, how we're governed, um, all that kind of really good stuff. And then step two was we talked about discovering the design that God put in each one of our lives. Each one of us are uniquely gifted and called by God to do something significant in the kingdom of God. Amen? You have a gift. You have a calling. You have a purpose in the body of Christ. Jesus didn't plop you in his body and then say, good luck with that. I'll see you when you get to heaven. No, he gave you a gift. He gave you a calling. And remember we said that the gift was God's idea. The cultivation of that gift was our responsibility. And then activating and walking and living in that gifting was, a, it was an eternal cooperation between us and God. It's God's job to call you. It's your job to hone and sharpen and strengthen that calling. And then it's your job partnered with the Holy Spirit's job to, to operate in that calling uh, for, for the whole of your life. So, um, so those were the things, some of the things that we talked about last week. And I hope, like I said, that you got a lot out of the uh, personality profile that we sent you home with. Um, you never know. Those kinds of things are really valuable to have, mm-hmm. not just for church, but it can impact yeah. your marriage and your work life and your relationships. And it's really good to know who God has made you to be. Amen? So today we want to talk about steps three and steps four. Step three is that we develop our leadership and our discipleship. And then step four is that we join a team and become part of what God's doing at our church. So... Brian's going to talk us through the first part of part three, which is to develop our discipleship. So, um, yes, we'll talk about discipleship. So, I'm going to read this scripture from Luke 14, and it's verse 26 and 27. This is from the message. 
um, translation, and it says, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. Um, and, you know, this just speaks of Jesus laying down our lives. So we, that means we're putting Jesus first, basically. Right. We don't live for ourselves. We don't look at ourselves, but we look at Jesus. And then everything else falls into place. Um, right. So one of the keys to growing up as a Christian is the development of our individual discipleship. Everything in God's kingdom happens on a personal heart level, and discipleship is no different. Amen. As we grow in our relationship with Jesus, he leads us into greater levels of maturity. And we've seen that. Um, we start with the milk, you know, and we get into the meat. You know, you see you're, yeah. you're growing deeper and deeper in the things of the Lord. Yeah. Um, and then we learn what it means to be disciples by walking closely with the Lord and by learning from those around us. So we want to ask the question, what is a disciple? So number one, a disciple is someone who puts God first. Yeah. And in Matthew six thirty three, we see Jesus saying, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Mm. Um, so yeah, we know if you're a disciple of God, you're going to put God first. So yeah. um, disciples are people who have learned the art of putting God first in their lives. They display a greater allegiance to the kingdom of God mm. than they do to their own needs. Yeah. And that really is a daily a daily intentional choice. Yeah. I Today I'm going to wake up, I'm going to put my eyes on the kingdom of the Lord yeah. first versus everything else that's going on around me. I'm going to fill myself with words, God, and what he wants me to do today before I let everything else affect me or, right. or guide the way I make decisions and guide the way I treat people. Can you so, say that you've had that experience in your life that when you mm -hmm. have put the Lord first, yes. you've watched him yeah. steer the direction yes. of your life. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, even when we don't really need, know that we're going to need, you know, to make a big choice for the Lord, but when we just acknowledge him, yeah. he's the one that orders our steps. That's and, right. Um, so this attitude produces an individual who God can use to add value to his church. Amen. And so, number one, we put God first. Yeah. Um, number two, some a disciple is someone who values God's word. Amen. And... In Psalm 119.11, the word says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Mm. Matthew 7.24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so especially in the, the scripture that I shared this morning from 1 Corinthians and then what Josh shared from Ephesians 4, you know, we value the word of God because we need Amen. it. Amen. We need to know what his word says about love and Come how to on. treat people. We need to know how are we supposed to keep this peace when we don't agree? How yeah. are we supposed to act in these situations? So we value the word of God first over self-help books, over what our friends say, over, the, over the media. I mean, the word of God, it really does have the answer to yeah. everything that we could face. It's right. not, maybe not spelled out, but when you let that penetrate your heart, it will come out. You yeah. will get the answer. You will, the fruit of God's word will be evident in your life. Amen. Um, and it's the standard for our life. Right, right. Our lives have to be lived according to a standard that is yeah. universal. And God's word is the universal standard. Everything, if it doesn't measure up to God's word, it's just falling short. Right. It could That's be right. a good opinion. It could yeah. be 
it could be a good or bad opinion and could just be popular. Right. But popularity doesn't mean truth. You know, That's these right. things don't, they, they don't necessarily right. equate. So yeah, God's word's the standard. Amen. Sorry, yes. I keep interrupting. No, you're, you're doing a great you're not. job. Gosh, yeah, please interrupt. Um, in the notes here, I have the word of God is perhaps the most important tool that God has given us to draw us close to him yeah. and to provide success for our lives. Amen. So we should see success happening in our lives as we study the word and as we make that part of our daily practice. Mm. Um, it reveals God's plans for us. And it's also the first place where we hear him speaking to our hearts. It's good. It's um, good. A disciple is someone who has made a commitment to God's word because they value it. So that's something, what do we value? Do we value God's word enough to put it in every day? Yeah. Um, enough to put it first. Say, say that a little, again too, yeah. where uh, it says that the word is the first place where we hear God speaking to our hearts. Yeah, like, yeah you expound on that. Well, there's just, um, we, we, are a, we are a people who is hungry to hear the voice of mm-hmm. God. You know, we believe that God is still speaking. Right. I believe that God has spoken in his word and that this stands the test of, of all eternity. This will always and forever be the word of God. It will never go away. And I believe that God still speaks to us out of this word, but we have to understand that in our efforts to hear God speak to our hearts, that we're not going to bypass the Bible and hear God's voice. Right. I, I hear this with a lot of younger believers. Is that, well, I just want to hear God the way so-and-so hears God. I want to hear the, I want to be able to prophesy like so-and-so prophesies. And they want to hear the voice of the Lord. Well, that's important, but the word of God is the basis. It's the, it's the starting point. Jesus, uh, the Bible says in Psalm 119, um, it, it says that thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. He said, in, he said in the Psalms that he, he exalted his word even above his name. If God takes his own word so seriously, then we should take his word seriously as well. So that's a cornerstone of discipleship. Yeah, that's really good. Um, so number one, a disciple is someone who puts God first. Number two, a disciple is someone who values God's word. And number three, a, someone, a disciple is someone who practices discipline. Amen. Um, this is a really good one for me. Um, <laughs> some things I'm great at, great at, and others I'm like, oh my gosh, I need the word and I need the Lord to help discipline me. Proverbs ten seventeen says, "People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction will go astray." Wow. Um, and really, you know, the the Holy Spirit, He's the one that brings that correction, mm-hmm. and and He does it to help us grow, yeah. to help us. Um, succeed in life. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen. So that is just every day. That's why we value, that's why we put him first. That's why we value the word. Um, mm. we, walk, we are walking in the spirit and that in turn helps us to be more disciplined that's right. in everything that we do. Yeah. Um, in the notes, we have the words disciple and discipline come from the same root word. Yeah which makes sense. Um, Therefore, a person who is truly seeking the Lord as his disciple is a person who embraces the disciplines of a life of faith. Mm. Thankfully, we're not on our own in this endeavor. The Spirit of God gives us the supernatural ability to govern and order our private lives as we follow him. Amen. And so to be a disciple of Christ is to use discipline in our lives. We're disciplined in our prayer time. We're disciplined in our time in the word. Um, all of that really has to 
show up in our lives as a disciple of the Lord. Amen. And this is where we see, you know, talking about governing and ordering your private life. This is where this is where we see either success or failure right. over and over again in the body of Christ. People that fall into sin do so because there was a disconnect somewhere in their life where they didn't allow the Spirit and the Word of God to govern the internal affairs of their heart. Right. And it leads to, it can lead to chaos, it can lead to hurt, it can lead to pain. So. Yeah, I think um, this idea of discipline is just practical too, very practical. Yeah. We see it in our lives no matter on our job or with our friends, but yeah. um, any practical aspect of discipline will help you to be consistent in mm. all of your endeavors. That's right. And that consistency is what we really need as the body Amen. of Christ Good and word. as believers. She, um, my wife came to preach this morning. Oh, bless God. I love it. Glory yeah. to God. Amen. Anyway. So I'm going to have a little praise party over okay, here by myself. Thanks, That's good. You're so encouraging. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. um, so then we want to ask the question, well, what does discipleship look like here at High Country Christian Church? Yeah. Um, and we know that discipleship, discipleship happens in small groups. Mm-hmm. And it also happens while serving. So, yeah. you know, there comes a point when we're discipled, but then we should also be the ones discipling others. Amen. Um, and that, the small groups give us that opportunity mm. to know people on a deeper level than just Sunday mornings. Um, but we really get to connect and hear, oh yeah, this is their take on this. And oh, they're dealing with this. So, yeah. um, and then the Lord just knits our hearts together in those areas. Amen. Um, but it also happens while serving. Yeah. Which is... Why we're here, you know, That's right. um, we're here to serve and yeah. not to be served. And so Amen. think about that. Like, wow, I can be discipled while serving. And yeah. then you can also show that to others. So, And it's so cool to watch the way that the Lord knits our hearts together yeah. in both of those arenas. Number one, in small mm -hmm. groups, you get really transparent with people. Um, yeah. You know, because you're in you're you're in the the ditch of life with them. You know, you're in right. the foxhole with them. Um, and then also in serving, I've watched since the beginning of whatever what month was it July when we started setting up and tearing down each Sunday all of our our equipment and gear here. I've gotten to watch the Lord knit people's hearts together just by setting up this yeah. black backdrop and these TVs right. and all this stuff. I mean, it's I look forward to it now. I used to think, oh, Lord, this is going to have to set up. Oh, my gosh. Now I look forward to it because I know I'm going to get to see people that I love, and we're going to get to joke and laugh and, you know, goof off while we set this kind of stuff up. So there's just a lot that can happen in the context right. of serving, and it's uh, it's not something we need to be afraid of. Amen. All right, so let's move on to developing your leadership. Y'all got the idea of discipleship down? Yeah. Amen. You're going to be super, superstar disciples by this time next Sunday. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, now let's talk, let's talk for a minute about developing our leadership because this is something that the Lord has put very strongly in mine and Brianne's hearts really since the beginning of our church being planted um, and it's something that is increasingly more and more important as we move forward is the development of leaders and the development of our own personal leadership. One of the people that I look to for great insight and wisdom on leadership is Dr. John C. Maxwell. And if you know who he is, you know that he's phenomenal. He's, he is the foremost thought leader in the body of Christ probably on the subject of leaders, leadership. God has raised him up and I've gotten to meet him. Him and I've gotten to talk to him and I've gotten to learn and read his books and study his materials and 
Praise God, I'm still figuring it out. I, there, I have still have so much to learn about how to be a good leader, but the Lord is teaching me. And um, one of the things that he says that is his kind of become his patented definition for leadership is that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Take a moment and let that sit on your thoughts for a second. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. You can put a room of kids, or you can put a bunch of kids, a group of kids into a room and find out within about two minutes who the leaders are in the room because they're the ones influencing everybody else. And it's, we, we have this idea in our culture that leadership is a hierarchical, strong-arm situation where the leader is the one with the title and they're the one who puffs their chest out and calls the shots. But that's not necessarily what makes a leader a good leader. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And one of the things that I've learned from Dr. Maxwell, uh, he says this, and I think it's so good. He said, great leaders raise up other leaders. Mediocre leaders raise up followers. Think about that for a second. Mediocre leaders raise up followers. Oh, man, if I could just get 500 people to follow me, I'll think I'm doing a great job. But the reality is that leadership is all about the duplication of who God has made you to be as a disciple. So as my own discipleship deepens and develops, my leadership then will be me pouring my life into people around me to duplicate what God has done in my own heart. And by doing that, we influence not just a church, not just a group, but a community, a state, a region, a nation. We want to see things change in our culture. It's going to happen by leading. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen by us becoming leaders. So another thing that Dr. Maxwell says all the time is that before you can lead anybody else, you have to lead yourself, which is why everything Brienne just said about discipleship is so valuable and is so important. First Peter chapter four says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Again, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. It's about influencing others in a worthwhile cause. It is not dependent on titles and positions. It's dependent on, watch this, people discovering their gifts and passions and then using them to make a difference in the lives of others. So a question that comes up when we talk about leadership is what stands in the way? What is the, what is the disconnect or the roadblock that keeps me from being the leader God calls me to be? And there's four things we've identified. Exodus 3, verse 11 and 12, Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God in this mountain. So there's four questions that come up that stand in the way, and we, we see each four of them in Moses' life. Do you remember when God appeared to Moses at the burning bush? Number one, the question is, who am I? Who am I? That question reveals insecurity. Lord, you can't send me. Don't send me. Who am I? You remember what Moses said to God? He said, Lord, I've got a speech impediment. I can't talk well. Don't send me to, to, to lead your people out. You see, Moses looked at his own failures first. 
And a person who looks at their own failures instead of at God's successes cannot cross the bridge to become the leader God's called them to be. You have to get confident in who Jesus says you are. Amen? you got to get confident in who God says that you are. And as you get confident in his word, it'll cause you to be a good leader. So number one, the question is, who am I? That's insecurity. Number two question is, what if they? That's fear. You remember? You remember Moses said to God, what, what, what if the people don't like me? What if, what if they don't respond? What if they think that you didn't send me? What shall I say to them? And that's why God said, tell them I am that I am sent you. In other words, God said, you get to use my name, Moses. You're, you're not going to go in the power and the strength of your own name. When you stand before those people and it looks scary, just remember, you get to use my name. Tell them you're here because I sent you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Number three question or statement is, I have never. I've never led a group before. I've never, can I, can I make a confession before you today? This is my first time being a pastor, okay? This is my first time being a pastor. If I let the fact that I had never been a senior pastor before block my thinking, we would not be sitting here today, okay? I'm not tooting my own horn, but it's just something that we, we've learned along the way that I can't let the I have never statement block me from being a good leader. Amen. And then number four, sorry, that one, that one reveals inadequacy. I feel like I have some inadequacy. Pick somebody else, Lord. Number four is use somebody else. Reluctance. Yeah. Reluctance. You see, all these things are the thoughts that go through our mind when it comes time for us to step into a place of leadership. I'm here to tell you that if you'll allow God to use you, leadership will make you, not break you. Amen? Can I have a good amen on that? If you'll let the Lord lead you through it, leadership will make you instead of breaking you. Now, let's talk about the qualities of a leader. There are several of them that we want to talk through, four of them. Um, it pleased, let me read you this scripture from Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. This is amazing. There's two cases that come to mind specifically in the Old Testament. One of them is Daniel, and the other one of them is Joseph. That these two guys who were foreigners in the nation that they were in, they they were against their will taken into another country, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Daniel was taken captive with the rest of Israel by the Babylonians. So they were not in a comfortable, they were in a hostile environment, okay? Imagine somebody came to your house, put a black bag over your head, and whisked you off to Iraq, okay? And all of a sudden, you're in this place you do not want to be in. Most of us would cave, right? Not these guys, No, the Spirit of the Lord came on Joseph. The Spirit of the Lord came on Daniel. What does the Scripture said? They so distinguished themselves with their exceptional qualities. They were leaders. God raised them up as leaders in a hostile environment. 
Guys, I don't know what tomorrow looks like in our country. I don't know what the next five years, 10 years look like in the United States. It may become a more hostile place for us to be, but I do know this, that if we partner with the Holy Spirit, God will raise us up as leaders and our exceptional qualities will come to the surface. Amen? So there's four things that we want to talk about. Y'all doing okay? I'm not getting in the weeds with you, am I? Okay. There's four things we want to talk about that that are qualities of a good leader. Number one, we love God. Amen. A good leader loves God. Verse uh, Acts chapter four says about Peter and John that when they when the when the leaders saw Peter and John, they saw something different about them and they realized that they'd been with Jesus. You see, one of the distinguishing elements of your leadership is that people can look at you and say, There's something different about them. There's something different about them. They've been, they've got a residue of Jesus on their life. They got some, there's some, something about them that points my heart and draws me towards God. So we develop it. We, we love God as good leaders. And that means we develop our closeness with God. It means we develop our character and it means we develop our calling. Now we could take hours and talk through each one of those. We're not going to do that. I want to just hit the high points with you today. But as a good leader, we love God, which means we develop our closeness with him, we develop our character, and we develop our calling. Number two, we love people. A good leader is a good leader because they love people. We said this last week, that we need to love the lost more than we love ourselves. A good leader doesn't think of himself first. In fact, there's a really great book by a man named Simon Sinek that you can go read, uh, S-I-N-E-K, Simon Sinek. It's called Leaders Eat Last. It's the whole concept that a leader puts everybody out. A leader is there serving and spooning food onto the plates. And that's the kind of person that's going to influence. Remember, a leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. The kind of person that's going to influence is the kind of person that Jesus demonstrated when he would get on his knees and wash the feet of the disciples before he set the table for them. Right? So we love people. We love people. I heard this quote this week, and I think it was so incredible. It said, learn to wash a person's feet long enough to find out why they walk the way they do. Mm. You see, you see I, as, a, as an immature, inadequate leader, I'll get mad at somebody's stinky feet. I'll get mad at that. Why, why did they walk, why'd they walk through all that poo before they came in the church? Why did they live their life this way? I'll get so frustrated by who they are and who they choose to be yeah, that's good. as an inadequate leader. But if I'll let the Spirit of God minister to my heart and lead the way I'm supposed to, I'll wash their feet long enough to find out why they walked through what they walked through to get here. Amen. God, I want to take off and talk about that, but we got a lot of stuff to do. Amen. So number two, we love people. What does it mean to love people? It means that number one, we're servants. Be a servant. Number two, be a team player. What does it mean to be a team player? It means that the team is more valuable than the individual. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. The team is more valuable than the individual. Yeah, that's right. You know, as pastors, sometimes we build churches to exalt ourselves. I'm not in it for me. Yeah. I'm in it for the value of the entire thing. One thing Pastor Don Richter said to me when, when we were first planting our church, he said, if you'll keep these three things in priority, you'll never screw up as a leader. As soon as he said that, man, my antennas went up. I'm like, go, go, go ahead, please. 
He said, you love the body of Christ more than you love your individual church. He said, you love your individual church more than you love any family or individual in the church. And you love the family or the individual more than you love yourself. And he said, if you'll keep that in priority properly, you'll always be in a position to make the right decision. Right. Amen. So number one, we're, we're servants. We're team players. And number three, we're real. Yeah. Don't be fake and pious as a leader. Yeah, Don't act like your stuff doesn't stink. Amen. Come on. So I've walked into the bathroom after some of y'all. I mean, we listen, we, we, we're all people. I, I love this. This, is, this makes me laugh every time I think of it. At the end of the day, no matter how we build up uh, personalities or celebrities or people we look up to, at the end of the day, every single person looks like an idiot when they're trying to eat a taco. Did you, ever, did you ever see somebody eat a taco? Ah, mouth is open a lot. No matter, no matter what we do, we all look stupid when we're trying to eat a taco. Everybody is the same. What am I trying to say? We're all people. Yeah. We're all just people. All our stuff stinks. We all look silly when we try to eat tacos. I mean, even Brad Pitt or whoever, you know, who, I mean, whatever, you know, just think of whoever it is that you think is so attractive and so wonderful and, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. They look like a goofball when they're eating a taco. Okay, so, so the point is, be real, be real. That's right. Amen. Amen. All right, number three. We keep going. We're, if we don't keep going, we we'll get stuck. Number three, what makes us good leaders is that we pursue excellence. This is so important, guys. That we pursue excellence. My pastor says it this way: If it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. You know, and the setup team has learned this about me. I am fanatical about the way the chairs look in this room. I'm fanatical about it. And I was walking through one day, and I said, ah, geez. I was showing somebody, I think Josh Honeycutt, I was showing him how I set these up. And uh, I said, man, I don't know why I'm so anal about these chairs. I just want them to look good. And Danny said, it's because you're a person of excellence. And I thought... Thank you. That's about one of the greatest compliments I think I've ever gotten in the ministry. Seriously. You're a person of excellence. Well, praise God. Yeah. You know why? Because the kingdom of God deserves our best. The kingdom of God deserves our excellence. It's not about creating a showy environment. It's about creating an excellent environment because we love God that much. Amen? And we can't open the door to our, to our own offenses and say, whoa, 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 whoa. why is it got to be so perfect? We're just trying to show off. We're not trying to show off. This is the God of the universe. Right. If you ever wonder what excellence looks like, go back to Second Chronicles and read the, the, the details of the temple. God spelled out exactly how he wanted his temple to be built. Why? Because he was going to live in it. We're doing this as unto the Lord. Let's do, excellent, do things excellent. So what does it mean to pursue excellence? Number one, we do things well. Number two, we do them before we're asked to do them. <clears throat> My children should be paying attention to that. Amen. Glory to God. Do it before you're asked. In our house, it's not do it before you're asked. It's do it before you're told. Okay, but we softened the blow a little bit for church. We do, <laughs> do things before you're asked. And then number three, do more than is expected. If you walk past a candy wrapper on the floor, just don't walk past it. Just pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Why? Because it's God's house. Yeah. It's our worship back to God. We need to think of excellence through the lens of worship. That's good. 
my excellence towards God is a reflection of my worship to him. It is my worship to him. I love the chairs to be set up straight because straight chairs are worship to the Lord. It might seem insignificant to us, but God takes pleasure when we are excellent. Amen? Amen? All right, number four, quality of a great leader. We choose joy. We choose joy. What does it mean to choose joy? Number one, be enjoyable. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Be enjoyable. Some people, man, they're like a cheese grater. You know, you just get around them and they just, they just grate you, you know. Glory to God. Just don't be a cheese grater, Christian, okay? Just be happy. Number two, be positive. Be positive. Don't. And this is something Brienne helps me with so often, and we, I feel like we help each other with this in our marriage, or we try to anyways, is to, is to maintain a positive outlook. Yeah. It, you, you're not going to lead people with negativity. Yeah, that's right. That's okay? Right. You're just not going to lead people with negativity. Yeah. Lead with a positive outlook. We're big on hope around here. And hope is the idea that tomorrow is going to be better than today because Jesus is on the throne. Amen? Amen. So lead with that hopeful, positive outlook. And then number three, finally, be loyal. Be loyal. Amen? Amen. I can tell you, this is one of those hard things for pastors to say, but I can tell you that it ministers to our heart almost more than anything when we see loyalty in the hearts of people. Mm -hmm. And we see Lord, some folks that you meet them and they're here today, gone tomorrow, and they, they'll promise you the moon and disappear the next day. And I'll tell you, that hurts more than anything, especially when you're pastoring. And can I just have a moment of transparency with you this morning? Yeah. One of the hardest things for us to do as pastors is to pour our life into people only to see them walk away. Yeah. Only to see them walk away. Because, you know, if you, if, you, if you sacrifice for something or someone, you want to see the sacrifice come to fruition. Yeah, that's good. Likewise, one of the most joyful experiences that we have as leaders is the joy of watching all the fruit of our labor come to pass in a person's life. You get to, I think it was Gracie, weren't you and I talking about this a couple weeks ago? You get to the chance to see people that you've worked with, that you've poured yourself into. You watch them and after six months, after a year, after two years, and you look at them and you go, my God, they're completely different people. Look what the Lord has done in their life. That blesses me more than any great meeting, more than any great worship set, more than any great message that's preached, whether me or my wife or somebody's preached. I mean, all those things are great, but the really valuable stuff is when you get to see the long-term effect of the Word and the Spirit of God in people's lives. And so sometimes we short-circuit that by our lack of loyalty, and it's hard to handle sometimes. So let's be loyal to one another. Let's be loyal to what Jesus is doing in our church. Amen? Let's prioritize these things because they're important. So... Brianne is going to talk us through step four. This is the last part okay. of it. Yeah, this will be brief. Um, so the last step is just to make a difference, and that's where you get to begin serving. Yeah. Um, number one, um, I want to make a difference. That's what we would say. How, what are, where do we start? Maybe yeah. you're thinking, I want to make a difference. Second Timothy 1.9 in the message said, God saved us and then called us to this holy work. 
We had nothing to do with it. It was all his idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus long before we knew anything about it. Yeah. Praise God. He called us and he's preparing the work. He's doing it for us. Um, So we say, I want to make a difference. Number two, we say, we're going to do something that makes a difference. Yeah. Um, and more than just wanting to. Right, right, more exactly. Than just wanting yes, to. it's where our action comes mm-hmm. into place. Um, yeah. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 15 says anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Hmm. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if Hmm. the work is burned up, the builder will, will suffer great loss. Wow. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Wow. It's kind of intense, but... <laughs> Leave it up to the Message Bible to punch you right. in the face. That's great. Right. That's awesome. So that was 1 Corinthians. I didn't make this up. It's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. great. We'll That's just... Funny. Yeah, that was from the Lord, okay? That's so, good. That's yeah. good. You can still love me. Amen. Um, no. And then number three... <laughs> so after we said, I want to make a difference, now we said, I want to do something that makes yeah. a difference. Um, number three... We are with people who want to make a difference. So we're serving with people who want to make a difference. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. That's right. And we just see that. We see that as our teams have grown. It's just been amazing the way people have stepped up every Sunday to help set up. um, Because two are better than one. When we're all helping, our return is greater. Amen. Um, So we want to give you an opportunity to right now after service to just speak with our legacy team leaders. We have Vanessa Hensley. She can share with you anything about the kids ministry to sign up. Um, Leslie Hall, whoever wants to join the worship team. Who's, who are those musician, musicians out there? You've just been dying to get up here on this worship team, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> but she can just, you know, or even just stop by and see each person to kind of see what their team's about. Yeah. Um, you have them on the screen here too Yeah, they're well. on the screen. Yeah. And I, if you are interested in leading a small group, please stop by and see me. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you still want to sign up, that would be awesome as well. Yeah. Tim Putnam, he is leading our next step. So this class that Josh and I just taught the past two Sundays, he is actually leading that. Um, we need people to help, you know, to help make that come to pass. We, yeah. we would, again, like to start offering this class. Um, on a monthly basis. Yes, on yeah. a monthly basis, yeah. not on a Sunday morning. We mm-hmm. were able to do that for the two months before COVID start, started. So, yeah. um, And then we also have our media team, which is a new team that yeah. we're forming, but yeah. as, as things are being live streamed and more um, via the web, we've got to, yeah, we've got to amp that up. So Sean O'Loughlin is heading that up for us. And let me say too, that the, our team, our legacy team leaders have done a phenomenal yes, job, phenomenal Woo! job. We, uh, this, the stream in particular has been what a cluster. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, been just a been, it's been a lot. It's been so challenging <laughs> to figure out what that looks like, right? Right, right. Um, Because it's something new. And so as we do that, why, why are y'all laughing at me? Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> just keep going, Brian. Yeah. So, Push through. Um, but I just want to take this opportunity to thank 
our legacy team leaders, to thank Sean and Tim and Leslie and Robin and Vanessa. Uh, I, I ju- you guys are just phenomenal. Yeah, amen. And so, th- um, and then Miss Robin, she is heading up our our ushers and greeters. So if you any of those teams that you want to learn more about yeah. or you want to sign up, you get to do that right after service. Yeah. Um, and they'll just be scattered Sta- around the stationed room. Stationed at so. different tables. <laughs> Yeah. stationed at different tables. And then there's one more slide that we have yeah. here, which this outlines upcoming legacy teams and opportunities. These are teams that are either in the works of being formed in the future or teams that were functioning prior to COVID and then we scaled them back, like events, for example, that we had an events team that was working. You know, we This time last year, we were preparing for a big conference and we had a big Hope and Healing conference. You may remember it. Uh, and it was a great success because people like Meg Putnam, who runs this events team. Well, because of COVID, we're not doing a whole lot of events right now. Um, so these things will be coming. You'll see more uh, in the way of events, outreach, prayer and intercession, altar care, and security team, because we need to be safe uh, and, yeah. and we need to be wise with our, with our resources and with our time. So all this stuff is awesome. The future is very bright for High Country Christian Amen. Church. We have a lot in store that the Lord is doing and is going to continue to do. So we want to encourage you to connect. Um, as we said, these, these team leaders will be at individual tables. Uh, and you can, as soon as we're done praying, as soon as we release you, we want you to go and connect with them. Matter of fact, why don't we right now, just those leaders who are going to be at tables, would you just take a second and stand up and go stand by the table that you're at so that everybody can see you visually before we can close the service down? So we got Leslie's over here for worship. Miss Robin is back there with guest services. That is everything, greeting, ushers, all that stuff. Miss Vanessa is back there for kids ministry. Tim's standing up behind the computer there. And then Sean is back by the camera equipment. Okay, They're going to have sign-up sheets if you're interested, and they also have uh, materials to show you what their teams are all about. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.